Welcome to this episode of Wealth for the Culture, where we discuss true wealth building strategies with top realtors, industry professionals, and celebrities. On this episode, our guest, Janelle Bale, top Sacramento real estate maven, talks about how first-time homebuyers are making strategic uh, moves to purchase homes. Welcome, Janelle. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Uh, thank you, Veronica, for inviting me. I, I really appreciate you giving me this opportunity to talk to your audience. Um, I um, have a law background. I started out um, in, the, in the law uh, and practiced law for 21 years. And then my youngest son went to college, and I was one of those empty nest people with nothing to do on the weekend. So I decided I would go out and start selling real estate. And I started in 2004 in, in, in an area where... If you could breathe and sign your name, you could get a loan. But I didn't know that. I thought I thought what I was doing was extraordinary, <laughs> and and I thought I was good at it too. So so in 2005, I decided to take a year off and just do real estate, and I found myself making three times what I was making as a full time attorney. And uh, and then I decided after that, well, I'll just go ahead and do real estate. And that's how I got started. And at that point, the market turned, uh, and then all of a sudden we were into foreclosures and short sales. And I, I could use my, my legal background to help people negotiate with the, with the banks to make sure that they didn't have uh, tax liabilities or additional monies owed to the bank after we closed the short sale. And that's what I did. And that's how I got started. And I found the more and more I, I met people, the more and more I liked what I was doing. And I really enjoyed helping people to either get out of a difficulty that they have found themselves in or helping them to become a homeowner. Beautiful. So that shows a lot of innovation on your part, because whereas a lot of people during that time were getting out of the business, people were going back to, you know, their regular paying jobs. And some of these people who got into the industry were, you know, working at Burger King prior to, and that's all they did uh, prior to becoming, you know, getting into the, uh, uh, the agency as a realtor or, you know, as a lender. So they had to kind of revert back to their old skills, whereas you took your skills and utilized them to continue to thrive in this business and help people. That's innovation. That's, well, my, my grandmother told me, told me a long time ago, she said that if people are buying boysenberry pie and you're selling apple pie, you still need to get you a boysenberry pie recipe so that you can sell some boysenberry pie on the side of your apple pie. And that's what I did. <laughs> that's, that's wonderful. I love to hear that. Right. So tell me, who do you work with primarily? I primarily work with first time home buyers and I work with, with people who, who I call future investors, people who want to figure out how to parlay their current real estate uh, holdings into an empire mm. to create generational wealth. And, and oftentimes, those, yes, those, those, trans, those uh, first-time home buyers usually transition into investors because, you know, they're making their first purchase. They don't know what steps to take. And then they purchase their first home and then go into investment. But go ahead, expound a little bit more on that. Yeah, so, so I created a subsection of my company called Levels Up. And, and a person can, at that point, decide, because a lot of times when, you, when, when people buy their, their first house, they're the first ones in their families to buy the house, and they didn't think they were going to be able to until they did. So some people have a hard time of letting go of that first house. It's like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't want to risk what I've got, trying to do something else, like you say, because they don't really know how, how to make that next step, how to go to that next level. So, so I, I have a series of seminars on a monthly basis where I teach people how to go to the next step. You know, if you want to keep that property, how to refinance it, take some money out of it and use that for your down payment for your next property, but make sure the next property uh, flows positive and that the, the rents will pay for the mortgage so that you don't end up in a situation where you lose both properties. Or if you want to be a flipper or you want to be a wholesaler or you want to do something where, you know, you buy a tinplex. You know, how, how do you go from, from being a condo owner to buying a, a tenplex? That's, those are the things that I teach people in my levels up uh, section. And as your lender, I've actually had the pleasure of, of meeting some of those clients. So I know that to be actual and factual folks. Um, her clients have either purchased uh, properties at, you know, at the crash of the market and now 
they are uh, enjoying the equity of it and they're taking it and Janelle is guiding them through utilizing their equity and I mean so on and so forth so that bravo Janelle for for doing that and helping people so tell me what barriers have you noticed within this particular demographic when we're talking about first-time home buyers Beside so the, the, ones the major the, the major barrier that, that I run into, and, and you can speak to this because because you you and I have had many conversations about this, is when you have a, a buyer and the lender qualifies them at $250,000 and there's nothing, absolutely nothing on the market at $250,000. Mm-hmm. So they get all excited about, oh, cool, I'm going to buy a house. And then I tell them, well, you won't be able to buy a house anywhere in, in Northern California. And it's like, oh, okay. Then I go, but, you know, we can look at some income property and, and you can, you know, buy a duplex or two houses on one lot or something where you have additional income from that second unit to help you qualify for the entire property. Absolutely. And so that, that, that is the major thing. Or, or you have a VA buyer who, again, it has a really low approval, approval uh, amount and can't afford to buy a fixer-upper or can't afford to buy uh, anything in the Bay Area other than ta-da, an income property. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I get them again to look at buying income property as their first as their first property. So let's, let's talk about that because I think the status quo is to purchase a single family home at even at 250,000. I've seen a lot of realtors that will encourage their clients to move outside of the area. So they're pushing them out to, you know, Stanislaus County, um, San Joaquin, um, in a lower, uh, you know, market range where they can, you know, purchase a property for 250. But your strategy is for them to purchase a single, or I'm sorry, a one to four unit property and then utilize that income to help them qualify for a larger loan amount. That is an, an incredible investment opportunity, and especially for those of those people who are wanting to, you know, start uh, becoming investors or, you know, have some experience with investment uh, property. So that's an incredible um, opportunity. So are you finding properties for our investment properties, 250,000 in the Bay Area? Most of them at, at the lower end are like in at three fifty, three sixty, three eighty, and and the thing and the thing and the thing of it is is that most first time home buyers qualify for the FHA program, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and FHA will let you buy owner occupied property for three and a half percent down. That's correct. So you don't need a twenty percent, thirty percent down payment to buy the, buy a four place. You only need three and a half percent. And, and and you had to put at least three percent of your money into it, I think. Uh, so then I so then I find them down payment assistance programs that will pay their closing costs. Mm-hmm. So you have people buying triplexes and fourplexes for like out of, out of pocket cost about ten thousand dollars, which would have mm-hmm. normally have cost them a hundred, a hundred and twenty, a hundred and thirty thousand dollars. Amazing. That is that's wonderful. So how, aside of, you know, overcoming the barriers of not being able to find properties within the price range and then, you know, finding an out of the box way of them becoming homeowners and also investors, what other ways are you helping your, your clients to overcome barriers? Well, again, I find them down payment assistance programs that are not in the mainstream. I'm constantly searching for down payment assistance programs other than the Cal HAPA and, and the ones that people know about because um, I'm trying and I try and find them grants where you don't make a payment on that pop, on that on that second loan during the loan you just keep it for so many years and every year so much is is forgiven mm-hmm. so you stay five years and the entire loan is forgiven um, and also I try and find properties where they've been on the market a long time so at that point the agent's tired of trying to sell the properties the owner is getting frustrated with the property not selling and you can get the owner to uh and one is i got the owner to carry the entire note for a year mm-hmm. because uh my my client hadn't been on her job long enough to qualify for the loan but she made good money but she didn't hadn't been employed long enough so i got the owner to carry the loan for a year and at the end of the year, she refinanced it and got her loan and, and, and moved on. That takes some, that takes quite some negotiation skills there, Jane Hill. 
Is is that is well, that like your journey? <laughs> yeah, that's 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 that don't take no for an answer part. There you go. <laughs> you are the type of realtor that people want on their side, on both the sellers and and the listing, might I add. So that's fantastic. Right, right, right. You you're, you're laying there watching television. All of a sudden, the idea comes to you. You jump up, you run to the computer, and you type it into the computer before you forget, so you can call the next day. <laughs> that's right. Wow, that's amazing. And and. And you ask enough times, Veronica, people and people will initially start saying yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you. I mean, imagine those. A lot of the times, those sellers want to get those properties off their hands. Might it be they do. somebody who wants to move out of town, and or someone who mm-hmm. wants to, you know, downsize because you know they're empty nesters or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. They want to get those mm-hmm. properties, and they, they just want to make sure that the property is, or the buyer is serious, first and foremost. It's serious, right. And then the realtor has to have, go ahead. Or or you have a person like like in the Bay Area who has lived in that house for 50, 60 years and they're getting ready to go into some kind of retirement situation, mm-hmm. you know, either to a, a home or whatever. And they, and they need the income to pay for that. You know, if they want to go into, you know, uh, like an assisted living or like the like the real Vista properties or whatever, and they need that income. Mm-hmm. So you you convince them to, instead of selling the house, because now you you got a liability, a tax liability, and then if you're going somewhere where the state's paying for it, or the county's paying for it, they're going to take that money from you. So so you have it where the 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 the, the buyer slash tenant is giving them so much money per month that's paying for wherever they are. Mm-hmm. And, and they maintain the property until such time as they're ready to sell it. Okay. Well, again, this this isn't something for the amateur realtor. It takes a lot of experience and negotiation, you know, um, skills in order to accomplish something like that. So, you know, this is where it's really important to, you know, not you know use those online sources for uh, for your real estate agent. You actually want to have a relationship with someone and know that they have your best interest in mind. So it sounds to me like that is the type of um, type of realtor that you are, and the value that you bring to your uh, situations with your clients. Well, you know, I, I do, I do, I, I like I said, I have a, a boys of very pie recipe as well for people that just want me to write their offer. You do. <laughs> <laughs> got to keep that boysenberry pie recipe. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's called it's called write my offer, and so and so people some people will go out. You know, I, I, I liken it to my to my my Levi's five hundred one pants story. Mm-hmm. You, a Levi's five hundred one pair of pants. You can it, it's the same pair of pants no matter where you buy it from, right? Yeah. Same, same manufacturer, same material, same design, everything. But if, if you go into Nordstrom and you buy that those five hundred one pants, it's it's forty dollars. If you go into Macy's and buy it, it's thirty dollars. If you go down to the to to uh, to Marshalls or Ross or whatever, you might get it for nineteen. But the difference between that nineteen dollar pair of pants, thirty dollar pair of pants, and the four dollar pair of pants is the service. That's right. Yes, and that is it's a wonderful service. analogy. Yeah, that is a wonderful yeah, it's analogy. the service. Yeah. So the people that advertise that that four percent, one percent kickback thing. You know, that's just get you in there, get you out. The only way they can afford to do that is by volume. Mm-hmm. Get you in, get you out. They don't care about anything in between, but get you in and get you out. Yeah. So if something comes comes up that's not to your best your best your best interest, they don't care. Yeah. Their yeah. their goal their goal is to close that escrow. That's it. And oftentimes those that's services that. that buy the homes that will buy your home, they end up buying the property for under under market value and then selling right. it above market then, value so they've made right. money off of the sale of your home and and the purchase right. of your home so right. you know right. again right. you know back to you know adding a caveat to what we were talking about relationships right. are everything it's you know. everything right yeah. and you know and one of, one of my favorite quotes is people don't care how much you know so they know how much you care that's right yeah, all of, all of my clients know I care about them. You know, well, whether, I mean, whether we continue after the relationship or not, they during the transaction, they they know I, I cared about how that transaction was going was going to end up. Because one of the things I'm, I'm really proud about is that during that 15 year period, none of my clients lost their house to foreclosure. There you go. That's not the one. Proof in the pudding. Is yeah. 
So that leads to my next question, which is how do you connect with your buyers? But obviously by showing them value, by showing them that you care is, mm-hmm. you know, is, is how you make that connection being transparent, being, you know, being, uh, understanding that there are people involved in this, in this situation, in this transaction, and that this is their forever home. And this is like the biggest purchase of a person's lifetime. So they want somebody to walk them hand in hand and listen to what it is that they need and Mm -hmm. follow through with that and communicate with them and, you know, find out what their goals are. That's all people really want, you know? Yeah. The first thing, the first thing I always do, you know, and again, a lot of my, 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 uh, what I say has, has, have stories behind it. Cause that's how I grew up. My grandmother, she would just tell me stories. She wouldn't tell me outright. She'd just tell me stories, hmm. you know? So, so it's like you, you, you walk into Nordstrom's and you say, I want to buy a pair, a pair of black shoes. Now the people at Nordstrom's are on a commission basis, right? Mm-hmm. So, so they're already motivated to, to sell you a pair of shoes, but do they run to the back room and get a pair of shoes and, 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 and say, here's a pair of shoes? No. They ask you questions. They know why they ask you questions. They need to know what kind of pair of shoes you want. Open toe, close toe, high heel, low heel, kitten heel, you know, leather shoes, suede shoes, whatever. There's a zillion black pairs of shoes, right? Mm-hmm. So when somebody says, I want to buy a house, you don't just go out and show them a house. You got to ask them, you know, well, tell me how, how you live in this house. Tell me what your house looks like. When you come home from work after a long day, what's the first thing you want to do in your, in your house? You know, you, you look at how old their kids are. If, if they're teenagers, you know, you need some separation of space between the master bedroom and wherever their bedroom is going to be. A you got small kids. You need a lot, but <laughs> like, like the, 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 the next county sometimes is not far enough, for that, you know? Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, or, or, or if, you have, if you have small children, they need to be somewhere close by, but not too close because they're going to, you know, get, get older and need that space too. Mm-hmm. Or if you have a person who's, who's been taking care of their mom, grandma, whatever, and that person is going to eventually need to move in with them, you need some kind of in law unit downstairs, some kind of space that's separated where that person can feel like they're still part of their own, you know, self sufficient and part of their own thing. And a lot of people don't don't look at that when they talk to people. They just go, you know, this, I want a two bedroom, two bath house. Okay, here's some right here. You know, take a pick. You know, or a person who's like has a large family. You want something that has a, a really large family room, large kitchen, so people can all be in there cooking together. And so when I took people to see houses, it's amazing how many times after having that conversation, sitting down with them at Starbucks, just you know, just shooting the breeze, that the first house I show them is the house they buy. Mm. Because they you, say, "Oh my God!" Because you listen. You listen I, I took the time to find to find out what kind of pair of shoes they want. If I went running in that back room to go to get a box of black shoes. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. And you yeah, know, and every a, a one of, of your clients people... that I've talked to, they say, "Well, I know that if if Janelle gave you my number, that she trusts you, and that you good." <laughs> so they already they have that trust in you, and that that speaks volumes. Right, right, right. Because 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 I, I let them know, you know, even 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 when you turn people down, because you you turn some of my clients down mm-hmm. in terms of being able to qualify them. I said, don't you worry about it. I said, before this, this year is over, we will have you in something. This is not going to, maybe right now, it's not the time. But the end of this month, next month, we'll, we'll revisit this and we'll try it again. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and then, I, and then I, I send them text messages. I, I send them email messages just so they know that I have not forgotten about them. Yeah, yeah. That's wonderful. Well, I spoke to yeah. one of your clients and that's precisely what she you know, I, I think that she appreciates the follow up, even if, if they don't qualify, they want to know that, you know, there's somebody looking out for their interests and that will help, right, them, right. you know, guide right. them and, through and that. We'll... Yeah. Not just drop them off and, oh, you don't qualify and see you goodbye. So, right. Next. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, you, they, don't, they, don't, they don't want to be treated that way. They want to be treated like they're special and that, and that you really are invested in them in helping them to, to get into their own house. And it's not just another commission for you. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So that answers my question. It's like, I have these questions, but you're answering them already. And that was, why do your clients become long-term friends? But you know, you've already painted that picture. It's clear to me, you are now my new best friend. (laughs) (laughs) I love love how you think. And I love the fact that you, you know, you listen to people's needs because that is the type of lender that I am. 
you know, I try to listen to my mm-hmm. clients and, and mm-hmm. you know, walk them hand in hand and, and have their best interest in mind. So it's a pleasure to meet somebody who has that same passion and, and, and com- compassion for people. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the, the, one of the things that, that I do every year is I have a client appreciation party. At the end of the year, I have I read, I read out the space at the, at the Berkeley Country Club. It's a sit-down dinner. And um, we have what's called a silent auction based on how much business you refer to me over the, over the year. Mm-hmm. And so uh, people who, who refer a lot of business to me, the, the value of the prizes go up to like $800, 900 maybe $1,000 in one instance. And the and people who bought a house, you know, it's, you know, it's, you know, 100, 200, 300, 400 dollars, but you can only buy it with bell bucks. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be able to, to uh, you know, either buy something or refer something or somebody bought something. And then they come together at the end of the year to see who, 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 who made the cut for Big Papa, Mama Bear and Baby Bear. And people get really competitive and really excited about that. And I do it every year. So it gives us a chance every year to connect and meet in person. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, put me on the put me on that RSVP. I'm RSVPing right now. I, I did. <laughs> I, I, I sent you. I sent you a save the date card. You didn't get it? No. I need to check my yeah. spam box because I'm pretty sure. No, no, know, no. I, I mailed it. It, it. it came in the mail. Oh, okay. Well, okay. I'll check my office mail then. Okay. So yeah. my next question is: Why is helping people buy homes important to you? It's important to me because we, as a people, don't are, are not taught how to how to create generational wealth. Um, I have so many times come across people when their grandmother dies or their parents die, and their parents and grandparents, you know, accumulated four or five houses or accumulated four or five income properties. The the the, the heirs will just sell it all. They get an agent and just sell it all, and. And then a year later, they have nothing to show for it. Mm-hmm. So all that time and effort that that person went into building that little empire for, to pass on to their kids and grandkids, but then a year is gone. Yeah. And and we're the only ones that, that basically do that. Um, and, and 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 the problem is is that no one teaches us about how to how to build generational wealth, how how to 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 hold on to, to things. So you can pass it along, so that you become more than just rich; you become wealthy. And real estate, yeah, and and real estate is is one of the the guaranteed methods to become wealthy. Yeah. So the difference here is a person, you know, attains a house through, you know, they they're uh, they're they're given it by their grandparents, who's passed on, and then they sell the property, and like you say, they run through the money, or they don't properly reinvest that money. And then a, a year or two, that money is gone. Whereas if they were to hold that property, they create positive cash flow from it. Um, you know, and I mean, there are many ways to do that without, if you're not, if it's not your forte to manage the property, there are different ways that you can handle that situation too. So right, I agree right. with you. Generational wealth, you know, is, is the way to go and holding properties is, is definitely the way to go. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the same thing. That same phenomenon is true of people who who get what they call instant money, like people who who win the lottery, mm-hmm. and they and they get this lump sum of money, like large sum of money, like like millions of dollars, and they have no idea how to manage that money, no idea what to do with that money, and within three or four years, all that money's gone, mm-hmm. and they didn't buy a single thing with it. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what goes into buying a home? If I were Joe Schmo off the street, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I want to buy a home, and I don't know the first step to take. What advice would you give me? Well, again, that's the, our first meeting is is all about the home buying process, how it works, and what they have to do to to make that happen. So that's the first thing we talk about. Is is it's the process, and the first thing you need to do is get. Uh, pre-approval letter mm-hmm. and the reason for that is because you need to know you know how much how much house you can afford to buy reasonably you know you, you don't ever want to be what they call house poor mm-hmm. where everything you earn is going into making that mortgage payment every month you can't afford to do anything other than make that mortgage payment every month you don't want to do that because mm-hmm. after a while you'll resent the house and then eventually you'll just get tired of that and let it go mm-hmm. so so we don't we don't do that so that's the first thing. 
So I, 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 I tell them what documents they need to get together. I refer them to a lender. The lender looks at the documents. They say, okay, based on your income, based on your credit scores, this is how much money you can afford. And then after I know that, then we go and we start looking at houses. And I call it the where's Waldo method because we, everybody knows what they don't like, right? Mm-hmm. If, I, if I told you, what don't you like about the house? You could tell me right now, right? Yeah, absolutely. What if, what, if, what, if, what if I said, what does your dream house look like? You'd have to think about that. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, when we go look, you don't know about neighborhoods. You don't know about housing. You don't know about housing styles. And you know, you don't know about you know the floor plans, layouts, the backyards, you know, closeness to the freeway, those kind of things. So we go out and we look at locations and we figure out what locations you like and which ones you don't like, so we don't have to go back there again. Mm-hmm. And then, then we start narrowing it down based on the location, on the kind of house you want, single story, two story, split level, because if you got that teenager, you want to have that that space between you, where you are and where they are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and if you've got small kids, that the school becomes important. So uh, so we look at those things, so we find a house that, 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 that just, speaks to, to everybody okay. and that's the one we write an offer on and and I've had people where I've told them you can write as many offers in one day as you can sign sign the offer so if you know if you see five houses you like you write an offer on all five you can only buy one but you got to write an offer on all five and we'll turn them in I'll write you a nice letter that introduces you to the seller and why they should, should take your offer over the, the more expensive expensive offers and then see what happens yeah Oh, that's, that's wonderful. Okay, so let's talk about a little bit about the strategy. So now we've moved past first-time home buyer. We're already in, you know, we, um, we've decided on the home, and now we're looking at different strategies to purchase. So one of the strategies that realtors use is uh, um, providing the seller with an above-asking uh uh, price point. Why is that a good strategy, or do you think that's a good strategy? It's a good strategy only if the house has been on the market one day, uh-huh. and the house the house is spectacular, and you know there's going to be a lot of interest in that house. Then you would write an offer over asking. I look at how many days it's been on the market first. I look at at when you get there if it has brand new sod. If there's area of the sod that's not being watered, if there's now weeds growing in, in certain certain plant beds, I look at how, how interested the, the agent is in maintaining that listing while he's trying to sell it. Mm-hmm. I look at it, if I go inside the house, I look at how well the, the seller is maintaining the property if he's still living there. Because, you know, they will be immaculate the first two or three weeks of selling the house. Then it's like, oh, I don't feel like doing that. Just show it, you know? And, and at that point, you, you know that person wants to sell that house. No, it's no longer like if. It's like, we got to get rid of this house. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with the agent. So then you offer less or you ask for close costs or you do something that uh, reflects that they want to get rid of the house more so than you than you, your, your interest in buying it. Okay. So houses in the market. You- no, go ahead. No, go ahead. House has been on the market for three days. You say above asking or at market? At asking or above. Yeah. At what asking about or about 30 days? 30 days, you, you get, you're getting a 10% reduction from me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, yeah. And, and it's, it's amazing how often my client's offer is not the highest offer. Really? Yeah. My client's offer is not the highest offer, but. I, I, I give them great terms. Mm-hmm. Terms terms can also influence the sale as well. Okay. So let's talk about yeah. some of those terms. And we don't so want to give if, away if you, all your secrets, but you know. <laughs> no, no, you know, you know, I you know, I don't mind giving away my secrets because you know what? It's all about application. You can't do it the way I do it. <laughs> 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 you, you, you'll, be, you'll be sitting there trying to do it how I did it. Say, stop, Janelle. She just lied. <laughs> you, you, you can't. You can't do it how I do it. Because they, they asked me one time when I was working for Dental about about uh, my floor time success. What were the best times that that I did the floor? And I, like a dummy, told them the best times I did floor 
for the next month, everybody set up for all my floor time. Oh, and so that left, me, that left me with what was left, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and so I, I took the ones that were left. And guess who had the best floor time that month? You did. <laughs> I did. See, that's because you're it, trying to get in your lane. <laughs> no, no, because it wasn't about it wasn't about the floor time. It was who was on the phone. Mm-hmm. So it, it didn't matter. When, it, it didn't matter when I did floor time. If I did floor time, I was going to be successful. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I can tell you everything you want to know. So I know you're not going to be the same success as, I, as I'm having. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So my next question is what is market appreciation and how does that factor into deciding whether to buy a, a home above asking? Okay. And market appreciation is in areas like Oakland right now where, um, and, 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 and the thing with Oakland is I told people that this was going to happen because you got to look at, Look at the economic situation of the, the area. Um, iHeartRadio is in Oakland. Pandora is in Oakland. Uber is in Oakland. Uh, Pinterest is in San Francisco. And they were all going to do an IPO this year, mm-hmm. which means you're going to have a ton of instant millionaires with, with all this dot-com money that they don't care how much they pay for a house. They just want to buy the house. Mm-hmm. And so they were, they were cashing in their IPO stocks, getting millions of dollars and just tossing it around like candy. So so that's what you're, you're looking at. You're looking at being in an area to, to get on the bandwagon before the bandwagon is out the barn. Mm-hmm. You you want you want you want to look at an area and go, oh my God, this is gonna this is gonna explode next year. So this is where you want to look at buying a property. And if you have to pay a little more for it, then you pay a little more for it. You know, right now in Oakland, the idea is to be around where they're gonna build a new A stadium. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you and if you can't afford that, then the next area is where they're going to build that light rail uh, transit down. Um, I still call it East 14th Street, but you know, International Boulevard. Mm-hmm. You want to be around there because because now you have a new way to commute to get to get around, and so people are going to want to be near that rail station so that they can you know get off the BART train and they can get off the AC Transit and, and get on the light rail. So you're looking at in that area and also you have Mills College in that area and um, you know in the Coliseum and other things that <clears throat> bring people to that area and so that you can ask for a little bit more more money than uh, other areas of Oakland that are not going to appreciate as fast. Well, so that's let why me give you, you a working example too. I, I'm actually working with a client that purchased their home in 1998 I believe the year was at Mm -hmm. $159,000, the home is now valued at $1 million. Right. So that's true appreciation. And what are you- true appreciation. That is true appreciation. So a person like Mm -hmm. that can take that that money and not only reinvest it, invest it into other properties, but you know, there's just a multiple different scenarios that they can use, they can go Mm -hmm. with. with that type of equity. So yeah, absolutely. It's all about the area. And this is in San Francisco, uh, by the way. So yeah. So, so yeah. part of the problem with that, with that transaction is that they're going to get hit with capital gains. Yeah. So the yeah. thing, the thing is to figure out how to avoid the capital gains before you sell it. Well, they're you not know, selling. They're not selling. They're refinancing. Well, yeah. yeah. So you want to refinance it, take the money out to increase the, the cost. Mm-hmm. Or what you could do is you can rent out an area of the house and treat it like income property. Mm-hmm. Like, so say the house has has a downstairs in-law unit or whatever, or space that could be a downstairs in-law unit. You you rent it out to you know to, to your to your high to your high school student or your your college student, hundred dollars a month doesn't matter, but you rent it out. So then you can take that money and refinance the house and use that portion of the money. To buy an income property because it has to be like kind yes 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 yeah yeah I that's how you do that. that there you go yeah. there you go i'm gonna send yeah. a segment of their that recording to my clients <laughs> after <laughs> after our refinance is done <laughs> so they're yeah. gonna yeah yeah because i and i actually i looked at the property itself and, and uh did a profile on it so the home is currently valued at uh, like i said a million dollars but that within mm-hmm. five years, it will appreciate three hundred and fifty thousand dollars more. So they're right. absolutely so they, yeah. 
there's an opportunity there for them. And right now, just as you said, they are renting out sections of the home. It's San Francisco, mm-hmm. so that's typical for that type of market. Um, right. You know, so, yeah, right. I totally agree with you. So I think in this scenario, it would be ideal if, if they were to take some of that money and reinvest it in the property. And then, like, right, in an in in income property, because they can do that now because they're, 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 it's, like, it's a like kind. Because yeah. they, 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 because they have been using part of that money for for income. Yeah. Okay. So tell us, what is the difference between a buyer's market and a seller's market? In a seller's market, there is no inventory, and so if you want to buy a house, you have to kind of do whatever the seller says to do. That the, and and in a buyer's market, there's plenty of inventory, and you don't have to buy that person's house. So you, so they have to convince you to buy their house. Mm-hmm. And so that that's the difference. In, in a seller's market, there you know there's very little negotiating going on. It's whatever they say it is. If you want that house, and in a buyer's market, it's, it's the, the buyer's like, well, what you gonna give me to buy your house? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You know, you're gonna right. give me some closing costs. You're gonna pay my you're gonna pay my closing costs. You're gonna give me some down payment assistance. You're gonna give me some some better terms. Um, and in and in, in, in each each market, you know, some people you know, tend to go a little overboard with, you know, with their, their request. So it's, it's, it's striking a balance, you know, and, and as they say, leave something on the table for both sides. Right. So it wouldn't be uncommon to see a seller say, you need to wear yellow for the next three days <laughs> in a seller's market because they, they have the power and they know they do. <laughs> they have the power and they know they do. And they know that if you don't buy that house, you probably won't buy any house. Right. Yeah. At least until the next, yeah. the next season. So how right. do you determine the best locations for your clients to purchase in? Aside of looking at the family's need, is there anything specific that you would suggest for like a single man versus a single family? Well, the thing that, that I look at first and foremost is what are their future plans for that house? Mm-hmm. Because if the plan is, is to, you know, to level up and go to use that house as your stepping stone or your foundation for building generational wealth, your your only consideration is being in an area that's going to appreciate mm-hmm. more than, than the 20% in a year or two years. Because you have two years to stay in the house before you have to, you know, move on to something else. So that's the, the primary consideration at that point is, is the location and the appreciation. Mm-hmm. Uh, for people with small kids, it's, it's the schools. For people with, with only one car, it's, it's, it's the ability to get to work and the walk score uh, becomes really important because can you walk to here, can you walk to there and not have to get in your car? And then for older people, it's like something that's close to where their social structure is. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it close to their church? Is it close to the gym? Is it close to their kids? Uh, you know, sisters, brothers, best friends, those kind of things. Perfect. Okay, so I've been in my home now. I'm your buyer. I've been in my home now for two years. What yes. things should I consider? So I kind of, you know, piggybacks off of what you just said. But what other things should I consider? Well, if you're planning on selling your house, the the three rooms you need to to, to uh, spend the most time with, in terms of if you want to, you know, paint, put down new flooring, you know, upgrade some of the fixtures is the kitchen, bathroom, and the master bedroom. Okay. And so I would come in uh, and, and do a, a, what I call a walkthrough with you with my staging company called With, with Bells On. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, and I would uh, prepare a budget with you on, on the things that you wanted to do, you know, to kind of spruce your house up because those are the three rooms that people look at. You know, people, when they come in the house, you know, the, 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 the wife goes to the kitchen, the husband goes to the bathroom, and then they both meet up in the master bedroom. And, and, and based on those three rooms, I'll say, I like this house, I don't like this house, let's go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are the three rooms, you don't do anything else. You wanna do those, those three rooms. And what uh, are those three rooms? You know, kitchen, bedroom, master bathroom. Okay. I mean, kitchen, kitchen, bathroom, master bedroom. Okay. And the, and the main thing is to declutter. Yeah. You know, all the things that you're going to pack up that you're not using, pack them up now, put them in the garage. You know, the thing is you want to move, move the, the, the furniture around where it shows a flow. Because right now the whole thing is about sight lines and about uh, open space. 
So you don't want to have all these things on the countertops, all these things on top of the refrigerator, all these things in the corner, you know, that that's easy for you to get to for the way you live. So when somebody walks in there, they look at that and say, oh, there's not a lot of storage. Yeah. It's not like, oh, she's just convenient, that's convenience to have it there. It's like, oh, there's not a lot of storage. So, and then you want to have the close the house of all, all your personal, your personal things like pictures and, and, and things like that. You want that house to be as neutral as possible so that person can see themselves living there and not you living there. Okay. So yeah. the, there was a study on millennial buyers and they uh, the study showed that millennial buyers are, one, they are buying homes at a much uh, older age than, you know, than previously expected. And because of that reason, they said that a lot of millennial buyers are going directly from, you know, where um, it used to be where you bought a starter home and they're going directly into the home of their dreams. Do you recommend that? Is that something that you would recommend or do you recommend people start with the starter home, find out if it's something that you love and then, you know, go into a home that you might be your forever home? Well, that, that's a, a yes and yes and no question because some people only want to live in a certain neighborhood, mm-hmm. and so so when they find a house in their neighborhood, that's their house. And they're going to be there for the next 30, 40, 50 years, and that's true of every generation. In my generation, yours, everybody. Some people will buy a house and they'll be there forever. That's their just their forever house, whether they intended to or not. There's something about that house that just resonates with them that they don't want to leave. And they'll, they'll, they'll update it, they'll renovate it, they'll, whatever they have to do to stay in that house. And then you, you have people, like I said, that where that, that house is not, it's not the goal. That, that house is just the foundation of where they're trying to get to next. Okay. So, so that person is a person who's going to buy a house, again, in an area that's appreciating, uh, with the idea you're going to be here for two years and then you're going to go on to something else. And you have to also keep in mind that during, during the, the, the the Great Recession, as they're calling it, you know, you you had houses that that had sold for eight hundred, nine hundred thousand dollars, that were now selling for a hundred and fifty, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people, their first house was was a, was a mansion with granite countertops and marble floors and all this different stuff. It, it was it wasn't a little it wasn't a little shotgun house with you know with with shag carpet and that stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And so they had no idea what a starter house looks like. They think a starter house has granite countertops and hardwood floors and and rain shower shower heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you, so you have to kind of rein rein in their expectations sometimes. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I've had clients that you know called me and you know bless their heart. They want the you know half a million dollar home and they want it at a $1,600 a month, you know, mortgage, which yeah, right. is plausible if you're putting down $250,000, you know, right, right. so, you know, expectations right. are, are everything, you know, you can't think that you're going to buy this. And that's where having a strategy also comes in because, you know, maybe you might start at that starter home. And then, like you said, you know, either use the equity from that home to purchase a new home or, sell it when the market value goes up there are just different things that you can do versus that you can do right right versus waiting and not buying at all and then you're wasting your money renting so yeah well yeah. one thing the one thing that i do not advocate is waiting because I, okay, I tell my clients that. all the time i tell my clients all the time so you buy the house today at 350 but you you say you can't afford it or you don't have enough money left down payments so you're going to wait that same house next year is going to be 450 that's Did right. you save about hundred thousand, hundred thousand dollars this past year? No. So a house that you couldn't afford this year is, is definitely a house you won't be able to afford next year. Yeah. And I'm going to raise my hand here because I had two clients and they were, you know, lovely couple and everything, and they wanted to purchase. And you know, the wife was dead set on the perfect home, which is like four hundred fifty. Like um, it had to be eighty thousand dollars above what she qualified for, and because she couldn't find that exact perfect perfect house priced at the point where she could afford she passed altogether and to this day they can't afford to buy anything because like you said the houses the market has appreciated and 
you know, now they can't afford that home, the home that they were looking for. So that $450,000 home is now, you know, 500,000. So right, $500,000, $600,000. So now they definitely can't afford it. Can't afford it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So who, who shouldn't buy? You know, I don't. I don't really know a person who should not buy. Mm-hmm. There might be people who need to wait to buy, but I, I don't recommend that anybody never buy uh, an income property because, again, you know that that's going to be your bedrock to to your future uh, well being. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can refinance that house and put your kids through college. You can refinance that house and pay for weddings, go on on trips, vacations, and whatever. You know, and then there's something you can pass on uh, versus someone. Because the, the thing of it is, you're going to pay a mortgage whether whether you buy a house or not. The oh, yeah. question is, whose whose mortgage are you going to be paying? Absolutely. Absolutely. But you're paying somebody. You're paying somebody's mortgage. You're paying somebody's <laughs> mortgage and somebody's retirement. It, it may right. not be yours. <laughs> right, right. It's not yours. I've, I've I've known people who have lived in the same house and rented the same house for thirty years. Wow, that's amazing. Thirty years, yeah. and then suddenly 30. the owner passes away, and then. You know, you have the grandkids get it, the grandkids get it, and they send you a notice saying, Get out. And what do you leave with? What do you leave with? What do you leave? Nothing. Not and 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 the problem is that you're not used to the current the current market. The current market rate. Oh yeah. So that that six hundred dollars a month you were paying, you're gonna look at you're looking at especially in this market, you're looking at four, five, six times that. Right. You're looking at twenty three hundred dollars a month now. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 by this time you're in your sixties. Yeah. I oh wow that's that's perfect. Okay, so next question: What are some of the things I should expect or anticipate after escrow closes and my purchases recorded? Maybe that's a little bit out of sequence, but um, just give us an ideal. Give our first-time home buyers an ideal. So it's not all scary, you know. The clown with okay. the, the, well, the, the the first thing you can expect is something's going to break down. That's the first thing you can expect. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It, and it, which happens. Like, it happens. It does. Which is like, all, all my clients get a home warranty. And, that, and if you don't want to pay it forward, I'm paying for it. <laughs> because when that something breaks down, the first person you're going to call is me. <laughs> so so we're going to both have some peace of mind where I can sleep at night and you're going to sleep at night. But that's usually what happens is something breaks down. Yeah. And uh, even, even, even in a brand new house, something will break down. Guaranteed, and um, and usually what happens is, you know, people will start coming over to your house and hanging out. You know, it's, it's like, oh, let's let's go over to Veronica's house, oh, and no. they say, you know, oh, no. you're 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 the you're the hub, you're the hub of your social circle, mm-hmm. and, and 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 which means that your your grocery bill is going to start. <laughs> doubling and tripling and you will have to start turning off the lights and pretend like you didn't hear the doorbell ring <laughs> right Alexa turn off yeah. lights <laughs> right. Right. I, I, I can see you in there no that's a hologram go home <laughs> that's so some, some people some people like company some people don't like company yeah, you know, but you, you, but you can expect that once you close that store and get your keys. I mean, I, I, I was this one client whose brother told him he should put a hot tub in his living room so they could come over and and, and have have parties on the weekend. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they could have parties parties on the weekend, and he's like, "What's it?" You know, and I said, he can't. I said, "No, he's not kidding you." <laughs> Well, I think the positive side of that too is that, like you said, you become the hub of your social cir- circle, but people also elevate because they see that you're doing be- better and now you're a homeowner and people aspire to that. So, you know, you could be an inspiration to other people that want to buy homes. Maybe you, they you didn't can, you can do, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 They, they want to they know how you did it. And, and your, your simple answer is call my realtor. <laughs> call my realtor. Yeah. 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 We should, you, we should get you an, a, an app on Alexa. 
you know, actually, actually, someone called me and said that they I could do that. I could pay them, and 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 and, and be on Alexa. Really? Oh, I might have yeah. to tap into that with mm-hmm. you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I know that you have two new realtors that just recently started with you. You want to mention them? Uh, it's it's Gwendolyn Joyce Blaylock mm-hmm. from uh, Re uh, Brokers. Mm-hmm. And um, Ladejane Gill, who was formerly with with Coa Banker, they're both uh, millennial uh, realtors. Uh, so they have expertise in social social media, and and they're very tech savvy, and I expect great things from them. Okay, okay, okay. So I recall telling you that I we're going to play a little game. So I want you to check your connections. And make Uh-oh. sure your phone is well connected there, Janelle. And this is what we put like the little beat and whatever, like, or whatever. <laughs> so our like, game is, <laughs> this is where we would put our little music intro, music, uh, intro here. Okay. Oh, okay. So in our little game, there are actually two games that I'd like to play with you. And they are real estate related, so you can breathe. I'm not going to ask you anything weird at this point. And if I do, it'll be after we, you know, end this call. So the first game is um, you tell me which of the two you would invest in. And these are your own personal investments. And then explain to me why. Okay. Okay. So your first choice is an existing home or a new build. Existing home. Yes. And why? Because that house, everything there is to know about that house, somebody knows it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you know, um, if you know, if it, if it creaks, you know, if things break down in the middle of the night, you know, the neighborhood, the the, the schooling, everything about that house is known. A new house, you know, they give you a home warranty for the first year because they know. Everything and anything is gonna break down in that house because they just because somebody you know because a human being built it and built it. Yeah. You don't, you don't know who your neighbors are or who your neighbors are gonna be. You don't know what the, what the community is gonna be like because it's all brand new. Okay. And you may within a year's time be like, oh my god, I made a mistake. I need to, I need to move out of here. Not to mention, let me add something there, is the HOA fees are typically higher in a new bill, correct? Yes. And tax? And they're, they're higher because there's nothing there. There's no sidewalks. There's no street lights. You know, there's nothing there. Hmm. Okay. And what about the taxes? Yeah. The taxes on properties? The taxes are going to be higher because usually as a deal for the city to allow the developer to build that particular development, they had to, they had to give concessions on taxes. Okay. So say, okay. say for instance, where I live, when they built this community, we, they, they, they put all of the, the park, the parks, the parks and recs on our tax bill. Hmm. So we get assessed for all the parks in the city of Hercules. Wow. And, and, and none of those parks are over here. <laughs> well, you know what you need to do. Take a blow-up bed. Move. <laughs> Move. <laughs> a blow-up bed, a nice a nice red wine, and a barbecue pit. <laughs> and go to one of those parks. <laughs> yeah. It's your property. <laughs> okay, so your next choice. Go ahead. You were going to uh-huh. say uh, I was gonna say, and one of those parks over here. Is it really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So your next choice is a single-family home or a three or four unit. I already know where you're gonna go. But where am gonna, I gonna go? You're gonna go with three or four. I uh, am. Yeah. Okay. Now tell me. We are. I think I know why. But explain to our listeners just in, just in case they're just tuning in. Because I can live there rent-free. Woo. I'm, I'm going to use the rent from my other two units to pay my mortgage. Okay, say it again. So I can live there rent-free. Okay. Because the, the rents from the other two units are going to pay my pay my mortgage in full. And what happens at that 30-year mark when you paid no rent, you're living for free, you have positive cash flow, and now you have a property that's at market value that you can either sell or 
refinance and live off of. Correct? Yes. That is, that's amazing. Okay. Your third choice is, or actually it's more of a, uh, oh, how do I put this? This is, it's more of a situation. So your buyer is in escrow and they say, we just bought a car. What do you say? Take that car back right now. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because because it, it immediately and negatively impacts your, your DTI. That's correct. The worst, thing you can, the worst thing you can do when you're buying a house is buy a car. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many situations lenders literally sit around and tell horror stories. It's like, like uh, you know how the stories that you tell the campfires in the middle of the woods? We sit around and yes. we tell stories about cl- closing of escrow. <laughs> and the horror stories. I had, I, 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 had a, I had a client who thought her, her, her loan was on a fund on a, on a, like on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And she went in on Thursday and quit her job. But the, the wire didn't get there in time for Wednesday. So it didn't close until Thursday. And of course, they did another check and found out she had quit her job. Amazing. So obviously, she didn't get the house. No, she had the house. Oh, she did? Okay, well, she was mm-hmm. lucky. No, they, they, they made her put, put a bigger down payment down. Oh, they did? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow, okay. And the last one for this game is name three things buyers should never do when buying a home. The first thing you should never do when you're buying a home, again, is you don't buy a new car, you don't, you don't switch your, you don't switch jobs, and you do not, under any circumstances, get divorced. <laughs> oh, but he been bought, girl. He just getting on my nerve. <laughs> well, Why don't you get a divorce? Because most of the time you have you have qualified with that income, or if you're using an FHA loan, that his income was considered in in your pre-approval. And if you if you now you know, change that circumstance or change that situation, you have to start all over again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And most of the time, you won't qualify on your own. And and in a scenario where you don't use that person's income, there's still a, the um, the uh, dividing of assets, and there has to be a court right, order. Right. And there's just right. a whole paper trail that in, that goes along with that. So it's important that you don't make any changes to your circumstances while you're in escrow. After you while you're in escrow, line, the, the day you close escrow, and, they, and I call you and I say we're on record, you can do whatever you want. Do whatever you want to. <laughs> you do whatever you want. <laughs> okay. So I said two games, and I think this is a good spot for us to close here. Where can our listeners get in contact with you if they want to, you know, have some fabulous Janelle services, where would they get in contact with you? Well, you can start with my with my website, which is www.eastbayproperty.realestate.com. So, so ebpre.com. Uh, you can email me, and I, I answer emails at midnight, so don't be surprised when you email me if I email you back at janelle.bell at gmail.com or the least way to get a hold of me is to call me mm-hmm. because most of the time I'm with clients and I don't answer the phone when I'm with clients okay okay and my clients can appreciate that because if I did I would never get anything done yeah okay it so, has so, so, go ahead you were saying so so the best way is through my website and then and then email me and then call me Perfect. And how? What? What phone number are they calling? Five one zero two zero six seven one four four. Perfect. And are you currently on social media, Instagram, uh, Facebook? I have. I have now joined the twenty first century, and I'm on Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Oh, you're doing better than I'm not on Twitter. Yes, I'm on Twitter. I, I hashtag now. <laughs> How would they track you if they were on on, on social media? Uh, under under uh, Broker Bell. Broker Bell. Okay. Mm-hmm. Broker Bell. Wonderful. Any last words for our listeners before you go? Any other stuff you want to talk about? 
I, I just want to tell them that if they need a loan, call Veronica King. You are top drawer. You have helped my clients so much. And I truly appreciate the time and the energy and the service you give my clients and the follow-up and follow-through. You let me know what's going on every step of the way. And that's something that I can use to help my clients because I can explain to them if they don't fully explain or help them if they don't fully know, know what to do next. So I appreciate you. I want you to know I appreciate you. And then you come in December, I'm going to appreciate you even more. Oh, thank you. And I didn't pay her to say that, guys. I promise I did. <laughs> thank you so much, Danielle. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure to work along some, along with someone who is as passionate as I am and has the same work ethic. So I'm really mirroring you. Like I take a lot of cues from you, and I, I appreciate you as well. And I want to thank all of our listeners for listening in. Today we were talking about first-time home buyer strategies with the maven, Jay, Jay Mill Bell, or Bell Broker. And uh, I hope you'll listen in next time. Thank you. I'm going to work on that one. <laughs> okay, let me see. How do I stop this? Uh...